Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Only 10 days are left until the Iran presidential elections, and this is no event in which betting against the odds will make gamblers rich, even in the highly devalued local currency. The winner will be Ibrahim Raisi, Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei's favorite candidate, for whom the race was cleared from competition. Because of the waiting for the transition from Hassan Wuhani to Raisi, it seems that the Vienna negotiations on a mutual return to the 2015 nuclear deal were put on hold, so that the credit for sanctions relief will not be given to the moderates in Tehran led by Wuhani. Meanwhile, the hardliners reporting to Khamenei, whose foreign activity arm is the Revolutionary Guards Quds Force, continued their subversive regional policy from Iraq and Yemen to Syria and Lebanon, where Israel keeps trying to block their designs against it. To further analyze this topic, we're joined from Washington, D.C. by Dr. Oli Heinonen, who is the former Deputy Director General of the IAEA and Distinguished Fellow at the Stimson Center at Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Also joining us from here elsewhere in central Israel is Brigadier General in Reserve Yossi Kupervasil, who is the Project Director on Middle East Developments at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Always a pleasure. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding uh, regarding the complexities that have to do with Iran's nuclear aspirations, the dialogue surrounding trying to constrain it, and the activities in the field, and how is this actually connected with one another? Well, Jonathan, uh, you've not been uh, totally fair to our viewers because you included a spoiler in uh, your uh, introduction. Uh, you are going to ruin the entire drama of uh, the Iranian elections. Now they will know in advance who is going um, to win it. But the fact that um, Ayatollah uh, Khamenei made sure that there is only one real candidate in the race means that he wasn't even sure uh, whether someone uh, who is supposed to be um, quite credible from uh, the uh, regime's point of view, such, such as uh, Ali Larijani, um, uh, a hardliner enough uh, in our uh, view from outside of Iran, that he too could win, and uh, therefore uh, he left only Raisi uh, in the race. Now, because of the internal Iranian situation, it seems that uh, the technical negotiations uh, in Vienna are on hold because the political will is not there in Tehran to announce the culmination of the negotiations. Of course, this is uh, somewhat uh, strange because only, only a few weeks ago, it was uh, Khamenei himself who uh, sounded uh, more optimistic than the negotiators. If you want to add to that uh, what has happened um, in Israel a week ago, where um, Prime Minister, perhaps outgoing, but Prime Minister at the time, Netanyahu, um, raised the specter of Israel acting against Iran, even at the cost of friction with the United States, there seems to be domestic politics involved all around. So 
the experts, and we have two experts here in our panel, uh, can look at the details, but apparently the politicians will be the final uh, decision makers, those who call the shots. Indeed. Uh, and with regard to your first uh, comment, I wanted to avoid the suspense after uh, the everybody was surprised in Syria with the re-election of Bashar al-Assad. So uh, at <laughs> least in this situation, we could uh, avoid that suspense. Uh, but I'd like to, uh, in all seriousness, uh, resort to a question to General Kupel Vassil. To what degree is Israel concerned at this stage with regard to uh, the aspirations of Iran, the activities of Iran behind closed doors at a time when the International Atomic Energy Agency doesn't have uh, access to the various sites uh, and doesn't even have the option of going to uh, suspected sites that have been undeclared and may uh, be currently uh, holding significant stockpiles, as was done in th three suspected sites, which uh, the IAEA has yet to receive an answer about after finding uh, material particles uh, of uh, nuclear-related material uh, that uh, the Iranians uh, blatantly lied, if you will, uh, with regard to their nature. Well, Israel is uh, deeply concerned from three options. Uh, first, Israel is deeply concerned from the options that uh, the United States is going to rejoin the uh, JCPOA. That's the biggest threat that we are facing. Because uh, the uh, JCPOA, going back to the JCPOA, will uh, provide the Iranians with ample resources to keep moving towards their goals, both on the re in the region and on the nuclear realm, uh, simultaneously. Uh, going back to the JCPOA will allow Iran to have enough money to uh, uh, go faster with its uh, efforts to fund its proxies around the, the Middle East. And we saw how deeply they were involved in the uh, build, in building the capabilities of Hamas that were manifested uh, during the last operation. And uh, they don't even try to hide it anymore. In the beginning, there was some effort to, to keep it a secret, but uh, thereafter, all, the, all these secrets became public. And uh, the, this is a, a very big concern. Because coming back to the JCPOA will enable Hamas to rebuild uh, its capabilities very fast, and maybe even more than what they had before. And uh, this is something that uh, is a big concern. The second concern regarding to the, going back to the JCPOA is that uh, uh, it will uh, provide the Iranians with a safe path to uh, having the capability to produce nuclear weapons, ample amount of nuclear weapons, uh, in, in about 10 years from now, legitimately. They don't even have to break the, uh, their commitment and uh, breach them. It's, they just legitimately can have the capability to produce a, a big arsenal of nuclear weapons in 10 years. And uh, it's even worse than that, because according to the original agreement, uh, they were supposed to get some uh, capabilities only on year 10 of the agreement, namely in, 10, in five years from now. But taking advantage of the moves they have done already, uh, they already know how to uh, operate uh, advanced centrifuges like the IR6 and the IR24 and the others. So it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not actually going back to the old agreement. It's going back to a worse agreement than the, than the original one, which is very bad by itself. So this is the second concern. That that's why uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and also myself, I think that Israel should be able to do whatever it can to prevent Iran from getting there even if there is uh, an agreement about re-entering re the JCPOA by the Americans. And the third concern is that 
if we don't go to, back to the JCPOA and nothing is being done about the progress the Iranians are making now on the way to one uh, nuclear weapon as they are trying to uh, make the impression that they are getting there. Uh, it's very important for the Americans to, to say clearly and loudly that uh, they are not going to allow, to allow it and they will take every step and everything is on the table, uh, every option is on the table to prevent Iran from moving in this direction because right now the Iranians are moving there. They are already enriching uranium to 60%. They are accumulating uh, uranium enriched to uh, 20%. This is all very concerning. And it's, it's less concerning than uh, letting them go to having a big arsenal of nuclear weapons in 10 years, but it is concerning by itself. So we need the, the Americans to say immediately the, what is their position regarding this option. And as long as they don't, Israel has to be ready to take its own steps to uh, create all kinds of hurdles and uh, obstacles on the way of the Iranians to having the capability to produce one nuclear weapon. That's, uh, these are all big concerns that Israel has right now and has to come up with uh, answers and ways to, to make sure that these concerns will not materialize. Indeed. Dr. Heinonen, I'd like to ask you two points uh, uh, with regard to your perspective on them. Uh, about two weeks ago, IAEA Director General Rafael Mariano Grossi published, uh, or the Financial uh, Times interviewed him with regards to uh, the Iran nuclear deal, uh, during which he said that he is deeply concerned over the fact that uh, uh, other than the Islamic Republic of Iran, no other country, unless it is developing a nuclear weapon or is a nuclear weapon state, uh, enriches at this level. Uh, and uh, the second part uh, of my question has to do with the fact that last week on Monday, uh, there was an IAEA report once again uh, published uh, by uh, Gen uh, Director General Grossi, in which he raised the alarm over the fact that the Iranians have yet to provide answers with regard to three suspected nuclear sites from which particles were extracted with uh, uh, nuclear components in them, and, and the Iranians pretty much lied about them. What does this have to tell us from a professional perspective? Uh, to what degree are we in a position where we truly need to be concerned and is Iran at uh, the threshold of reaching that point of being able to have enough feasible material in order to create a, a nuclear payload? I think that we should take seriously the expressions of Mr. Grossi. He has now rang the bell and I hope that the IAEA board and the international community really takes it seriously. In terms of the enrichment in uh, Fordo and in Natanz. Actually, Iran is in a transition period. The explosions decrease the capacity for a while. But if you look at the current installations and how they are developing, they put emphasis more on the production of 20% enriched uranium than 5% uh, enriched uranium. And there is no real need for this enrichment or the higher one, 60% enrichment, which they are trying. And they are trying it even in such a way that it will provide a swift production if they decide to do so. So that's one concern. And no other state that I know which have no nuclear weapons is doing this. Then are the unanswered questions. They were raised in 2018. Now it's 2021. And IAEA has not yet got the answers to those places, four locations which it wanted to go, got to three of them. 
and found uh, undeclared uh, uranium particles. Interestingly, they said in the last one that they were uranium particles without specifying whether they are natural uranium or enriched uranium. This now two years has gone, and there are about maybe 20 other places which were in this AMAD documentation. I think that the international community needs now a different approach. These questions should not be brushed under the carpet if the new JCPOA is generated. They need to be answered. One has to know how far Iran got, whether there has been any work on these topics after 2003 and 2010. And the AMAD program has to be looked it's in totality, not just by piece by piece and go by one place at time, 20 places to go. It will take years. So this is now time to stop it and start from the clean slate. Indeed. Mr. Olin, I'd like to hear uh, from you. All of this is taking place while negotiations are ongoing in Vienna. The P5 plus one, if you will, uh, or the P4 plus one next to the, the one, which is the United States, are negotiating with the Iranians. The Iranians are currently receiving the backing uh, from China and Russia uh, to a, a degree of, of frustration, if you will, uh, in Europe as well as in the United States. From what I hear, the Europeans are even frustrated with the United States for willing to forgo significant uh, uh, sanctions, which don't even have to do with the nuclear agreement, just to convince the Iranians to promptly return into compliance with the 2015 agreement, uh, which was reached under the Biden administration. And uh, everything seems to be quite um, not very... Uh, uh, how should I put it, uh, uh, responsible uh, when we're talking about a country that is clearly dealing in malign behavior while the international community is just sitting aside and not truly pointing out its, its uh, activities that way? Well, you have two parties, Iran and the United States, um, which are not aligned. There is no symmetry in their policies and in their priorities. Of course, for the Iranians, this is top priority. They want to have their nuclear project and they want to have sanctions relief in order to restart their economy and, uh, as was mentioned here, to have money to spend on foreign adventures. But for the Americans, for the Biden administration, this is not top priority. This is a nuisance. They want to get it out of the way because they... Uh, decided to devote their energies to other theaters, to China, to Russia. They want to get out of the Middle East altogether, if possible. They may not. They, they were drawn back by the Gaza operation. They don't need this Iranian headache. And for them, they have decided that, uh, as for the JCPOA itself, they are ready for compliance, for compliance. The entire argument right now is not the JCPOA. This has been decided long ago. The argument is about another topic which you mentioned uh, here, the three of you. What constitutes terror? What constitutes uh, such actions which the American administration can sanction without it being 
depicted as contravening the JCPOA, which is what the Iranians are saying. So once this issue is solved, there is no problem. And this is probably waiting for later this month, after the 18th, after the Iranian elections. Indeed. So it's all a matter of narratives, whether it is uh, exactly. uh, defined as a certain uh, characteristic or not. But uh, General Kupelwasser, in the sense of, of the Western perspective, if you will, there is a clear definition of what terrorism is and how it should be dealt with. Yet it seems to be ignored by certain Western powers in order to appease a certain uh, uh, interest of, of a third party or a fourth party that would then allow it to to uh, uh, attain what it actually hopes to, to gain. Uh, with that being said, I'd, I'd also like to hear your perspective with regard to the current situation vis-a-vis -vis Iran and the current state of affairs. Are all the options still on the table? Well, first of all, regarding the definition of terrorism, and this is the other question, I think the American administration has made it clear that uh, they don't want to have an holistic approach to the Iranian threat. But they want to divide the threat into uh, different sections. And the one area that they want to focus on is to stop the progress the Iranians are making right now towards one uh, atomic bomb uh, creation of the, cap of the capability to produce one bomb. That's the focus, that uh, the first priority. And in order to achieve this uh, goal, they are ready to play on all other issues. We look at uh, the Iranian problem as a holistic problem, an attempt to gain uh, hegemony over the Middle East and to threaten the existence of the state of Israel in this respect by uh, a variety of steps, uh, expanding their uh, influence in the Middle East, uh, the supporting their proxies who are working against Israel and against Saudi Arabia and so on and so forth, and uh, at the same time trying to uh, get uh, nuclear weapons that would uh, enable them to reach a position of uh, regional superpower on their way to becoming a world superpower, global superpower. That is the way that we look at, uh, at the threat. That's why we, we say we have to deal with all the elements. Uh, the Americans have a totally different approach. And uh, what we are saying is that while we are also taking steps in order to make it more difficult for the Iranians to, having, uh, to have the capability to produce the first nuclear weapon, we have to take care of all the other aspects. The Americans, in order to block the, Amer the Iranian progress towards one uh, nuclear weapon uh, that is already very problematic because they have to cross all kinds of thresholds, uh, are ready to allow the, the Iranians to have uh, the capability to produce a big amount of nuclear weapons in 10 years. That is uh, totally unacceptable for us. Now, and when it comes to expanding the Iranian influence in the Middle East, Israel is committed to work against it, regardless if there is an agreement about the JCPOA or if there is no agreement. And uh, we see Israel working day in, day out in order to minimize the capability of Iran to uh, have a st uh, stronger presence in uh, all kinds of states in the Middle East, especially when it comes to Syria and uh, Lebanon, but uh, elsewhere too, and uh, in Ham and, uh, Hamas governed uh, Gaza as well. That's uh, what we are trying to do, not with uh, full success, but with some success, in some cases even considerable, considerable success. And uh, we, do, we are doing that simultaneously to our efforts and to our commitment to prevent Iran from having the capability to produce neither one nor a lot of nuclear weapons. That is the Israeli policy. 
and uh, it is not affected by the, it shouldn't be affected by the policy of the United States, because the policy of the United States, the way it is uh, conducted right now, is leading, from an Israeli point of view, to a disaster. It's going to enable, enable Iran to uh, gain more influence in the Middle East based on the money they're going to get. And it's going to uh, pave the road for a safe road for Iran to having a lot of nuclear weapons in, in the not that uh, far away future. So that's uh, our concern right now and what we are committed to do. Indeed. Dr. Heinonen, I'd like to hear your take on this. Also, uh, with regard to uh, Tehran attaining a first nuclear bomb, uh, considering the fact that over three months now that there are no inspectors on Iranian soil, there is no access to suspected nuclear sites. To what degree are the Iranians at this stage capable uh, with, uh, you know, the speculative calculations done uh, in, in uh, Geneva um, or in Vienna, sorry, is there a way to somehow understand how far the Iranians are from that breakout point? I think that this nuclear sites, Natanz and Ford, IAEA has one more tool, which I hope they have been used. And this is unannounced inspection, where they can see what happens there during their surprise visits. And they don't say it in the reports, but I assume that uh, they do it. So there is an understanding. It would be very difficult to dash the nuclear weapon on those sites. The key, in my view, is elsewhere. The key is what else has been done and what happened with these other parts of Ahmad project, the other enrichment plants, which were in place in 2010. How far the designs were done, where they are, what equipment was reserved for them. This is the key in understanding if we want to avoid them rushing to nuclear weapons quickly. And this is the completeness verification which has been on hold now several years. And to what degree does the, the uh, various representatives of the different powers negotiating with Iran, to what degree do they consult with uh, the technical staff at the International Atomic Energy Agency to understand the, the severity of the current state of affairs? Uh, are they taking seriously those reports and how can that be identified in practice? I think that this is uh, driven now by this uh, U.S. entering back to the JCPOA, unfortunately. And those things have been put on a back seat. And then people hope that, you know, when JCPOA impl is implemented, Iran changes its habit and, and uh, duly follows uh, route to peaceful use of nuclear energy. But the problem is that those cap capabilities stay there. And next crisis with, which comes, those tools are taken back again, and then we have the same show again in front of us. So that's why this should be stopped now. This is a golden opportunity. Indeed. Mr. Oren, in 2015, after the B5 uh, plus one in Iran have reached an understanding with regard to the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, we saw Iranian Foreign Minister Mohammad Javad Zarif making his Middle East tour, uh, prior to which, of course, he declared that whoever is aligned with Iranian foreign interest, revolutionary interest for that uh, matter, uh, they should uh, join forces with Iran to achieve that goal. And uh, we could uh, identify a significant bolstering of various militias throughout the region, particularly the Shiite militias, but of course, there were also the PIG and the different uh, uh, Sunni militias, which were willing to sell their 
uh, honor, so to speak, from a Sunni perspective in order to join the Iranian axis. To what degree is Israel prepared for a reoccurrence of such a scenario and uh, the possibility that at the wake of such a reality, uh, a kinetic war may ensue uh, of a conventional level that would, of course, have uh, severe implications on the entire region, not on, only on Israel. Well, the Iranians um, and, of course, the uh, Islamic uh, Republic Revolutionary Guards and Quds Force have never given up on their vision and their ambition. But the fact that uh, for a year and a half now, uh, they have been deprived of the services of Qassam Soleimani has hurt them um, badly. Uh, they have not found uh, such um, a human generator, a human engine of activity. So um, the um, spirit uh, is still there, but the body is not uh, able to uh, implement it. And Israel has systematically acted even when it does not get into the headlines, even when all eyes are on some other crisis. Uh, Israel has diligently acted and probably successfully, as General Kupavasser uh, hinted, uh, at the uh, Iranian efforts to entrench themselves in, Iran, in uh, Syria, in Iraq, in the Syrian-Iraqi border, the Bukamal Kaim uh, uh, area. And uh, apparently, this is a common goal for all governments in Israel. So if the Iranians believe that uh, the formation of a new government uh, will give Israel a softer line, uh, they are mistaken. Yes, there are um, voices in Israel. There is a school of thought. Uh, in support of the Biden administration's effort to rejoin the JCPOA. But this does not mean that there is going to be any lack of will to act against Iran if it, take, if it turns out that they have sneaked under the radar and are now much closer to a bomb. Now, we are now 76 years after Trinity, the first uh, Alamogordo test of the... Uh, American atomic bomb. At that time, they only had three, one for the test and two for Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But right now, if the Iranians have one, they will probably have several more. So this is um, a risk Israel is not going to take. Indeed. Well, this is all the time that we have for today. Uh, indeed, there is still much to talk about, but uh, we will have to leave it for the next time around. I'd like to take uh, this opportunity to thank Dr. Heinonen, General Kupelwasser, and Mr. Logan for being uh, part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.